namo bhagavate vasudevaya Om namo bhagavate vasudevaya Om namo bhagavate vasudevaya Today we are reading from Srimad Bhagavatam Canto 1, Creation, Chapter 3, Krishna is the Source of All Incarnations, Text 29. Janma Guyam Bhagavato Yayatat Prayato Nara Shayam Pratagrinan Bhaktya Dukya Gramadvimuchate Janma, birth, Guyam, mysterious, Bhagavata, of the Lord, Ya, one, etat, all these, Prayata, carefully, Nara, man, Sayam, evening, Prata, morning, Granan, recites, Bhaktya, with, with devotion, Dukya, Dukya Gramat, from all miseries, Vimuchate, gets relief from. Translation by His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Srila Prabhupada. Whoever carefully recites the mysterious appearances of the Lord with devotion in the morning and in the evening gets relief from all miseries of life. Purport. In the Bhagavad Gita, the personality of Godhead has declared that anyone who knows the principles of the transcendental birth and activities of the Lord will go back to Godhead after being relieved from this material tabernacle. So simply knowing factually the mysterious way of the Lord's incarnation in this material world can liberate one from material bondage. Therefore, the birth and activities of the Lord as manifested by him for the welfare of the people in general, are not ordinary. They are mysterious. And only by those who carefully try to go deep into the matter by spiritual devotion is the mystery discovered. Thus, one gets liberation from material bondage. It is advised, therefore, that one who simply recites this chapter of the Bhagavatam, describing the appearance of the Lord in different incarnations, in sincerity and devotion, can have insight into the birth and activities of the Lord. The very word vimukti, or liberation, indicates that the Lord's birth and activities are all transcendental. Otherwise, simply by reciting them, one could not attain liberation. They are therefore mysterious. And those who do not follow the prescribed regulations of devotional service are not entitled to enter into the mysteries of his birth and activities. Om Ajnana Timarandasya Janajana Shalakaya Chakshurun Mulusamyana Tasmai Shri Guruvei Namaha I was born in the darkest ignorance and my spiritual master opened my eyes with the torch of knowledge. I offer my respectful obeisances unto him. Shri Chaitanya Mano Vistam Stapitam Jena Butsale Swayam Rupav Kadamayam Tadatit Swaspadantikam 
When will Sri Rupa Goswami Prabhupada, who has established within this material world the mission to fulfill the desire of Lord Chaitanya, give me shelter under his lotus feet? Bancha kalpa I offer my respectful obeisances unto the Vaishnav devotees of the Lord. They are just like desire trees and can fulfill the desires of everyone. And they are full of compassion for the fallen conditioned souls. Jai Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Shidvaita Gadadhar Shivasari Goda Bhaktivrinda. I offer my respectful obeisances unto Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Lord Nityananda, Sri Advaita Gadadhar Pandit, Shivas Thakur, and all the devotees of Lord Chaitanya. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. So today we will discuss liberation, what is the goal for a devotee, and how to achieve it. <clears throat> In the purport, um, Srila Prabhupada starts by saying that Krishna, the personality of Godhead, has declared in the Bhagavad Gita, who knows the principle of the transcendental birth and activities of the Lord, will go back to Godhead. So if we look in the Bhagavad Gita, the verse is 4.9. One who knows the transcendental nature of my appearance and activities does not, upon leaving the body, take his birth again in this material world, but attains my eternal abode, or Arjuna. And in the purport, Srila Prabhupada further states, one gets liberation from material bondage. So if we look at what is liberation, liberation is the act of setting someone free from imprisonment, oppression, or slavery. Slavery. It's the act of releasing someone. So we want to get free from the miseries of material bondage. We hear this all the time, right? We want to chant, we want to associate, read, so that we can gain liberation, freedom from the material miseries. If we look further to find out what is liberation, in the Chaitanya Charitamrita, Madhya Lila 6266, there are five kinds of liberation. Salokya, Samipya, Sarupya, Sarshi, and Sayujya. In the purport, Srila Prabhupada explains that salokya means that after material liberation, one is promoted to the planet where the Supreme Personality of Godhead resides. It's called Vaikuntha. Samipya means remaining an associate of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Sarupya means attaining a four-handed form exactly like that of the Lord. Sarshti means attaining opulences like those of the Supreme Lord. And Sayujya means merging into the Brahman effulgence of the Lord. These are the five types of liberation. So as I stated earlier, we engage in Krishna consciousness to liberate ourselves from material bondage. And that's one of the ways that we attract um, people into this culture, into this movement, is because the material world is full of miseries. And they say three types of miseries, right? We have Miseries of nature, like, for instance, right now it's so cold that it's miserable. And then sometimes here in Texas it gets really hot that it's miserable. Um, just a month ago or so, less than a month ago, we had tornadoes hit. And that was a different type of misery. And people lost, in a matter of like minutes, people lost everything. Um, their homes, 
And it didn't matter if they were rich or poor. When that tornado hit, you know, I had doctor friends that lost everything. And, you know, for us doctors, we may make a lot of money, but a lot of times we are in a lot of debt. And we're living precariously paycheck to paycheck. So if you lose your entire home, a lot of people don't have the funds to even find a hotel room extra, you know, out of the budget. So that's a type of misery. And um, another type of misery is that we endure from each other. We can all relate to that. We all have people that we get along with and people that really try our patience. And the third type of misery is that actually from ourselves, which is actually the hardest type of misery to escape our mind, our thoughts. Um, Because it's said that it's not really what's happening to you that's the problem. It's how we perceive it, how we react to it. Um, And so a lot of that comes from our own mind. And, of course, this sounds like things that we want to gain liberation from. Um, In the Bhagavad Gita, we also know that it, it says that one who's um, equiposed in these times of miseries and, ha- and, de- and tolerates both happiness and distress. So we have to also tolerate happiness, which sounds kind of crazy, but it's a type of misery because it's temporary. <clears throat> in this material world, any happiness is fleeting, and so is any distress, but there's always cycles. So, you know, I always look at this saying, this too shall pass. But that happens with good times and bad times. So that's one of the uh, um, miseries of the material world that we have to endure is everything is temporary. So today is the last day of Karthik. And every evening for the last month, we've been singing prayers and offering a candle to Dharmadhar. What we sing, or part of what we sing, we say, O Lord, although you are able to give all kinds of benedictions, I do not pray to you for liberation, nor eternal life in Vaikuntha, which is a type of liberation we just discussed that's called Salokya, nor any other boon. And then it goes on to say, I do not even want to know your feature of Paramatma, which is the Sarupya form of liberation. Millions of opulences are of no use to me. So opulence is the sarshi form of liberation. I have no desire for liberation into your effulgence. And this is Sayuja. This is further con- confirmed in Srimad Bhagavatam 3.29.13. A pure devotee does not accept any kind of liberation. So lokya, sarshti, samipya, sarupya, or ekatvya even though they are offered by the Supreme Personality of Godhead. So this is quite a conundrum, because we hear that we want to liberate ourselves from material miseries, from material bondage. But now we're saying that we don't even want liberation. So how are these two contradictory statements made? How do we reconcile these these differences? So what is it that devotees want? What do we want? Why are we doing any of these things? Why are we chanting four rounds of, sorry, chanting 16 rounds of the Hare Krishna Maha Mantra, following the four regulative principles of no meat, um, fish, or eggs eating, no intoxication, no gambling, um, no illicit sex? So why do we do that? And why are we going to chant these verses in the morning and the evening if 
we don't want liberation. Because we want something that's a little bit sweeter than liberation. We want to become eternal servants of Krishna. We want to do what's just pleasing for him. That is our goal. And when and it says um, to recite this you know, chapter in the morning and in the evening, it's not saying chant, uh, recite it mechanically like a parrot, right? Or like a computer. You can, I can have Siri read this chapter to me. That's not what it's talking about. It's saying with devotion. It says it in the verse. Whoever carefully recites the mysterious appearances of the Lord with devotion. So that's a big key part of it. You know, we want to have that devotion. And devotion means with love, loyalty, enthusiasm. And enthusiasm is actually a very interesting word because it comes from the Latin entheos, which means in God. So we want to chant with that enthusiasm to get us back to God. With an attitude of servitude. Srila Prabhupada also mentions vimukti in today's purport. So, in Srimad Bhagavatam 10.9.20, Srila Prabhupada in the purport says, Vimukti means special mukti. When after liberation one is situated on the platform, platform of Prema Bhakta, one is said to have achieved vimukti, special mukti. So what is Prema Bhakta? Prema Bhakti. In the concluding verses of Bhagavad Gita, Krishna says, Always think of me, become my devotee, worship me, and offer your homage unto me. Thus you will come to me without fail. I promise you this because you are my very dear friend. If we look at the prayers that we're singing every night in the Dhammadarshkastikam, what is asked for instead of liberation? It says, my only prayer is that your childhood pastimes may constantly appear in my mind. I simply wish that your childhood pastimes may ever be enacted in my heart. And then it says, may this vision constantly remain in my mind. So it's said three times in this prayer of eight verses. And when anything is uttered three times, for instance, if I tell you to do it, please do it. Can you please do it? It's of utter importance. It's like utmost importance. It's repeated three times. It's, It's very significant. And then the prayers also ask, or it also says, you gave them the chance to become your devotees. Please bless me in the same way. So what we're asking for from Krishna is not liberation, opulence, to have a form like his, to live in his planet. It's to become his devotees. That is what we're asking for. In the Shikshastikam, Lochetanya prays, O oh, Almighty Lord, I have no desire to accumulate wealth, nor do I desire beautiful women, nor do I want any number of followers. I only want your causeless devotional service, birth after birth. He says birth after birth, which is very significant. He's not asking Krishna for liberation from the cycle of birth and death. He's asking to be his servant, birth after birth, even in the material world, which is full of suffering due to threefold miseries. And if we fully surrendered and taken shelter of Krishna, it doesn't matter where we are, who we are with, what's happening. 
Krishna will always protect us and keep us in his shelter. In 1866, Krishna says, Abandon all varieties of religion and just surrender unto me. I shall deliver you from all sinful reactions. Do not fear. It's a very powerful statement. Do not fear. Like, it sends chills down my spine, right? Because that's, I mean, God is telling you to have no fear that he's always going to be with you. He's going to protect you. And he's going to take care of you in all ways. And this is a little bit more um, significant and profound than anybody else saying this to you. right? Somebody says this to you, you're like, yeah, right. You're going to protect me up until a certain point. But there are some calamities that you can't protect me from. right? Like nobody can protect you from a tornado. But Krishna says, I can protect you from anything and we believe him because he's God. We have faith. We know that he's going to protect us from everything. Even if it seems like we are in a situation where we're suffering, we know that Krishna's protecting us. We often think it could have been so much worse. Or this is something that I need to learn because I have these attachments and Krishna's relieving us, freeing us from these attachments. So we always want to remember Krishna, become his devotee, surrender unto him, become his eternal servant, wherever that may take us. I was discussing liberation with Giraj Swami in emails, and he wrote to me, Pure devotees are not interested in liberation. On a morning walk in Mayapur in April 1975, and just as an aside, Anytime I see my birth month, April, and my birth year, 75, I always pay a little extra attention. Maybe I shouldn't, but it's just that attachment I have. So when I saw this, I was like, oh, this is important. I have to pay attention. Jay Pateka Swami asked Srila Prabhupada, you say, back to Godhead, but when one is situated in pure transcendental love of Krishna, then wherever he may be, that's back to Godhead, isn't it? Yes, Prabhupada replied. So then we should desire not to go back to Vaikuntha, but to be situated in our pure service to Krishna. Yes, pure devotee does not aspire anything, simply to be engaged in loving service of the Lord. Wherever it may be, it doesn't matter. And to further elaborate on that point, this Giraj Swami goes back to write, and to further elaborate on that point, I have attached an excerpt from a talk by Srila Prabhupada on Srimad Bhagavatam 1, 2, 6. The supreme occupation, dharma, for all humanity is that by which men can attain to loving devotional service unto the transcendent Lord. Such devotional service must be unmotivated, uninterrupted to completely satisfy the self. So in... Um, the talk, Srila Prabhupada says, but a pure devotee does not accept even all these liberations. A pure devotee is satisfied only with the service of the Lord. That is pure devotion. Because there is no desire. Sometimes we may think, oh, I'm engaged in Krishna consciousness because after death I shall go back to home, back to Godhead. Of course, that's a fact. But a pure devotee does not even desire that. They say, wherever Krishna will keep me, I shall remain there. It doesn't matter whether heaven or hell, I don't care for it. Actually, one who is pure Krishna conscious devotee of the Lord is not afraid of going to hell 
or being promoted to heaven. For them, everything is all right. No cause. Krishna is my lovable deity. I must serve. That is pure devotion. There is nothing in the material world which can check one's devotional service. It is so pure and exalted. If you are situated in this kind of devotional service, immediately you become happy. That is the standard of happiness. We are seeking, I may be happy in this way, I may be happy in that way. No. You can simply become happy when you are a pure devotee of the Lord, without any reason. Pure devotee. So the question is, how do we achieve this kind of state of mind that Krishna you know, let me be your servant birth after birth and wherever you send me, wherever you want me to, whatever you want me to do, I'll do. And that's a, a very heavy prayer. So how do we achieve that? Because I know for me, that's not where I'm at, right? I feel like I want to do this service, Krishna. So please help me do this service. But really it's whatever service you want me to do. So it's, it's changing your mindset. And the answer always comes back to chanting. Chanting is the foundation of our devotional service. And chanting means offenseless chanting, avoiding the ten offenses, and chanting with attention and love and devotion. I bring up chanting because it's actually one of my, it's one thing that I meditate on, right, that I want to chant better. Um, You know, I... I want to make sure that when I chant, that I'm chanting with attention, offenselessly, with love, with devotion. I think it's something that I need to hear so that I constantly talk about, talk about it. I've heard it said that when we are talking about something, or especially when we're giving class like this, the person that needs to hear the class the most is the person speaking. So <laughs> this is a good reminder for me to you know, really engage with my chanting of the Hare Krishna mantra. So it means, you know, not chanting while Facebooking, not while watching TV, not while playing on my phone, you know, not chanting snick, snick, ram, ram, hare, hare, kitty, kitty. Um, You know, but chanting with full intention, enunciating and listening, right? Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. This Maha Mantra is so powerful. It contains, it is Krishna. The the name is non-different than Krishna. So when we chant, Krishna actually appears. And not just Krishna, right? His eternal consort, Radharani, comes. His All his activities, all of these transcendental births that we described in this chapter, um, all of his associates, all of his pastimes, all of that comes with that one name, the Hare Krishna Maha Mantra. That's why it's the Maha Mantra. Because that's why it's so powerful, because it contains everything. So when we chant in the morning and in the evening and all day, the Hare Krishna Maha Mantra, then we're doing what this verse says. We're reciting the mysterious appearances because it's all contained in the Maha Mantra. So it's said to be truly great at anything, we have to practice for 10,000 hours, right? I think they said Michael Jordan did free throw shots for 10,000 hours to get as good as he is to be like the number one basketball player. 
Same with, you know, like, um, I can't think of who it is, but somebody who plays the piano really well, right? Now, there's another way to look at that, right? I can play the piano for 10,000 hours, but if I'm not playing it properly, I'm not going to get better. I'm just going to get better at being bad, right? So 10,000 hours, um, if we say that it takes two hours to chant our rounds, that's 5,000 days, which is about um, a little less than 14 years. Let's round up to 14 years. So in 14 years, one would expect that we've really mastered the chanting of the Hare Krishna Mahamantra. I started chanting in 1995, so it's 24 years. Again, it's that we have to chant in that perfected state, right? And we get that perfected state by chanting, so it's like a, a roundabout. But it's really that intentional chanting. Like, I can say that I want to chant attentively, but then if I go and turn on the TV, like, it might be a mindless activity with my hand, but I still did it. And I still, con- you know, like, I still continue to chant while the TV is on. Well, that's, even though I'm saying I want to, I'm not engaging in that properly. So the better thing would be to, you know, make sure that when I'm chanting, I don't have these distractions. And when you try to get rid of all the external distractions, you really come to face your internal distractions, right? That mind that's like, oh my God, I need to be doing this, or I should be doing this, or what are all the things that I need to do? And my God, remember that conversation I had yesterday and squirrel? Um, and so like, that's the mind and that's what we really have to kind of, that's the final battle, right? And the way we overcome that is that we have to want to. We have to have a sincere desire and focus on it. So in mindfulness classes or meditation techniques, they always talk about notice where your mind is and bring it back to attention. So when you notice that your mind is like um, going off to your to-do list, say, okay, that needs to be done, but let's focus on this now. What's going on now? We're chanting the mantra now. So hopefully as I continue on you know, chanting with attention, offenselessly, um, I can start to achieve this level of devotion. And hopefully then I also have 14 years left to practice for 10,000 hours by the time I get to that point. So chanting is, like I said, the most important activity that we have, that we want to do. If we think about it, when we take our formal vows... It's the only thing we actually promise to do because everything else are things that we promise not to do. Right? We avoid uh, engaging in um, gambling, illicit sex, intoxication, eating meat, eating fish, eating eggs. Right? We say we're not going to do that, but we say we are going to chant. That's the one thing we actually promise that we're going to do. So if we think of it that way, it is the most important thing. The other thing that I also want to touch on is um, preaching is the essence. If we look further in Srimad Bhagavatam, um, yeah, no, I'm sorry, in Bhagavad Gita 18, 68, and 69. So these are a couple of the last verses that Krishna speaks. I think there's one more after that. But he says, for one who explains the supreme secret to the devotees, 
Pure devotional service is guaranteed, and at the end, he will come back to me. There is no servant in this world more dear to me than he, nor will there be, will there ever be one more dear. So again, I'm saying this more for me than I am for you guys, because I think probably everybody in this room and most of the people that are probably listening engage in more preaching activities than I do. Um, but I'm also realizing that there are different um, preaching activities that we can do, and we all have to do what's in our nature and what is um, comfortable to some extent. Because we do want to be a little bit uncomfortable, but to an extent that we're not going to make a mess of things, I should say. So um, when we look at... Um, different types of preaching. I know for me, it's it's very, like, I do some, what I can engage light preaching. Like, I feel like the best preaching I can do is living by example. Um, I also dress the deities, which I've heard is a, is a form of preaching because people come to see the deities, and that engages their minds. So dressing them nicely is a form of preaching. I wanted to bring out a few points about preaching, to give us, give us a little bit better understanding of the philosophy. So it's one thing if I read, listen, chant, and I help my own devotional service, right? That's important. But it really solidifies when I talk to somebody else about it or if I um, engage with somebody else, to, and it helps me gain a better understanding. I just said that when I give class, I tend to listen more than everybody else because I'm the one giving class, and it's probably something I need to hear. When I was in school, in med school and residency, we had a similar type of philosophy. It's called see one, do one, teach one. And what that meant is any kind of procedure that we did, the way we would learn is that we see it done, we do it ourselves, and we teach somebody else to do it. And by the time we get to the point that we're teaching somebody else to do it, it said that we've mastered that skill. So teaching is the main, like it's a big part of that. It's not saying, oh, you just did it so you know you know it. But in order to be able to teach it, you really have to know it. You have to know it in and out. You have to know things that you're not seeing, um, background history so that you can explain all of that. So like as I said, whenever I have to prepare for class, I have to read up a lot, right? So I have to prepare which makes it even more, um, you know, deep for my own connection because I get to learn a lot more. So if we're constantly engaging in this preaching, then we're engaging in that because in order to be able to explain it to someone, you have to learn it yourself. And, to, you know, and a way to learn it is to also explain it to someone. So again, it's one of those circles, cycles that we see. And why do we want to do this? Because as devotees of Krishna, we have compassion for all of the fallen conditioned souls. And we want to help them achieve liberation. Compassion means concern for the sufferings and misfortunes of others. So as Vaishnavs, followers of Lord Krishna, Lord Vishnu, we have compassion for people that are suffering. And we want to preach because it's almost urgent Right? There's a sense of urgency. I mean, people are suffering now, and we see that it's only getting worse. Like, I think about how things were, you know, even 
five years ago, ten years ago. I think in some ways it's 20 years ago. Um, in some ways it's just, it's a lot worse. Like things are just, you know, more chaotic. And maybe that's just a symptom of becoming more of an adult or growing up that you notice a lot more. But it just seems like as as time moves on, there's more suffering, there's more misery, and, you know, things are just getting worse. In um, Chaitanya Charitamitra in the Adi Lila, chapter line, 9, Lord Chaitanya describes the desired tree of devotional service. He agrees to tend to this tree with the goal of filling the whole universe with love of Godhead. It's said that it grew massive with many branches and sub-branches. And the fruit of this tree is devotional service. So the fruits ripened and become sweet and nectarian. The gardener, Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, distributed them without asking any price, not considering who asked for it and who did not, nor who was fit and who unfit to receive it. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu distributed the fruit of devotional service. So here it's saying, you know, we don't choose who we share this knowledge of love of Krishna with. We share it with anyone who's willing to receive it. So we don't make any judgments like, oh, well, I don't like your nose, so I'm not going to share it with you, and you don't have the right clothes on, and you look really angry. Um, Because we all know there's that thing that's called RBF, right? Resting, well, I'm just going to substitute, resting mean face. And it may not be that they're angry, it's just that's how they're, when their face is at rest, that's how they look. Um, So we want to distribute this fruit without any um, judgment. The transcendental gardener, Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, distributed handful after handful of fruit in all directions. And when the poor, hungry people ate the fruit, the gardener smiled with great pleasure. So this is how it is. Lord Chaitanya is watching over us. And when we share this knowledge of love of Krishna, he smiles. It makes him feel good, right? And... We look at, you know, Gordon and Ty on the altar, and when you think of them smiling, like watching over us and just smiling, it actually brings kind of a smile to my own heart. Like, that's something I want, right? To have Lord Chaitanya smiling with pleasure because we're spreading this message that's so important to him. He goes on to say, I am the only gardener. How many places can I go? How many fruits can I pick and distribute? It would certainly be a very laborious task to pick the fruits and distribute them alone. And still I suspect that some would receive and others would not. Therefore, I order every person within this universe to accept this Krishna consciousness movement and distribute it everywhere. I am the only gardener. If I do not distribute these fruits... What shall I do with them? How many fruits can I alone eat? So Lord Chaitanya is pleading with us to spread this message, this fruit of devotional service, because he can't do it by himself. He's saying, I'm just one person. You know, I can do as much as I can, but so many people are going to be missed, and they're not even going to get the opportunity. He 
continues, distribute this Krishna consciousness movement all over the world. Let people eat these fruits and ultimately become free from old age and death. One who has taken birth as a human being should make their life successful and work for the benefit of all other people. It is the duty of every living being to perform welfare activities for the benefit of others with his life, wealth, intelligence, and words. By his work, thoughts, and words, an intelligent man must perform actions which will be beneficial for all living entities in this life and the next. So we're followers of Lord Chaitanya, and this Hare Krishna movement that we're in is actually one of the branches of this devotional tree. And Srila Prabhupada left the comfort of, you know, India in an age where he should be retiring so he could take this message. He took this message to heart so he can spread this message of Krishna consciousness, this fruit of devotional service all over the world. So it's our duty as followers of Lord Chaitanya and Srila Prabhupada to continue that, to do it in our best capacity. For some people that will be going out and distributing books and talking to people, and some people are really good at that. Um, for others, it's other ways. Um, I know for me, one of the things that I do is, you know, when I'm um, educating people on their health, I have them think about, you know, what else is going on with their bodies. You know, what about the soul, not just the body? Um, what are we doing for the soul? So that's one of the light, I call it preaching light. Um, so that's one of the ways that I do it. So, in conclusion, the important things are to chant and to share this message of devotional service. What questions do you have? 